I'm Glenn Crooks, and it's time for NYCFC Views. It's the first show for Sick Podcasts, and for New York City FC, a victory. They've been rare recently, and they beat Toronto in the League's Cup. We're going to go over that tooth and nail, and then we're going to set up the scenarios as New York City has clinched a spot in the knockout round. We know that Inter Messi defeated Atlanta United in the League's Cup. We're going to go through that a little bit and what the Atlanta United situation might be right now. Possible transfer news for New York City FC and kicking it around. In addition to New York City FC, we're going to look both domestically and globally. We've got the Women's World Cup. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. For Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. And yeah, it's uh, it's sick. And Roberto, that was a great moment for us. Uh, wonderful intro. Sammy, our producer, well done in producing uh, that intro. But MLS Cup, uh, we were both there in Portland 2021. And the reason it was so meaningful to us uh, more than anything, I think, is that we were there in Orlando when New York City faced Orlando City, two expansion sides in their very first match, which ended up being a 1-1 draw. Uh, mixed Discarud and Kaká scoring goals. But anyway, Roberto, welcome. This is great. Our, our first NYCFC views. How you doing? I'm doing fine. As if we don't see enough of each other, here we are again doing some something more. But uh, thrilled to do this. Uh, you know, I miss doing a podcast in English, so um, I, I just want to warn people that even though they heard my highlight in Spanish, I will be talking in English in this podcast. I just want to make sure people understand that. I like uh, I like the Spanish, and it's very <laughs> interesting. No matter what Spanish commentary I listen to, uh, it's always the same kind of goal. It could be male, it could be female, it doesn't matter. So I guess that's the signature thing it, it it is but we you know, now in spanish seems to go longer and longer and longer with the with the goal call i cut mine down I, i've cut it down considerably actually because i want to leave the analyst in my case ariel judas who works with me time enough to be able to tell us why the goal happened and a lot of the times that I see on TV, guys go off and you see two or three replays and they're still yelling goal. They don't give the analyst a shot at explaining why the goal happened. And so I decided I was going to cut mine down and that gives Ariel more time to be able to explain right. why things happen. Do you do that with Maddie or no? Well, I don't have an extended goal call. I just describe it. <laughs> Every one of them is unique. And last night we had a bunch of goal calls as New York City scores five goals in a game, which is uh, amazing enough, uh, but beat the uh, Toronto FC, so 5-0. I, I wonder, uh, are, are you a believer in promotion and relegation, Roberto? I am for European leagues. I'm not a believer for MLS. There's, there's well, different reasons why these things happen, and for MLS it doesn't work. It works well for the rest of the world. 
Right. Well, Toronto FC, whether it's in MLS or not, should be relegated. That That's my personal <laughs> opinion. I, I haven't seen anything like it uh, in, in my years of doing NYC games, how, how poor they were. So at the start of the game, right, first of all, you've got uh, Federico Bernadeschi, who doesn't want to be there. So he had he has three goals on the season. The rest of the outfield players had two combined. They had a total of five combined goals on the field in the starting 11 against New York City. So a, a, a clean sheet, uh, Matt Friesen goal, which uh, maybe was a little surprised. Maybe it wasn't, but wow. I, New York City played well, uh, some very good goals, but uh, boy, Toronto was absolutely dismal. There was a stat that I found last night. So, you know, I mean, obviously everything MLS is now everything Messi, right? And so there was a stat that I saw last night that said Messi has more goals, okay, more goals in two in two games, right? And not even two full games that Aquinola, who just got traded to, to San Jose or loaned to San Jose, and CJ Sapong have had in a full calendar year for Toronto. <laughs> hey, I, I love the stat. Messi only needs 27 more goals, and he becomes the all-time leading goal scorer for Inter-Miami. So that's a good one, too. <laughs> uh, that might happen. He has 10 games to go, plus whatever's left in League's Cup. Look, he can win. He can wind up winning two trophies in all of this. You know, just coming in and just seeing the turnaround that Miami has. I mean, yeah. also, let's talk, we'll talk about Atlanta as well, but, we'll, you know, when it comes down to that. But, you know, Atlanta was awful, and... Uh, Miami still has terrible defensive problems. I mean, they're just saved their hide every game by Drew Callender. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to that game in, in a bit. Like, uh, it's quite a League's Cup calendar. And New York City, I mean, two good things here. First, they, they had only uh, had one win in their previous 17 matches, all competition. That's, That's a tough stretch. That's I, nuts. That is a tough stretch. So winning that decisively... Um, um, I, I felt good for the team, uh, good for Nick Cushing. And the one thing I noticed, I don't know if you saw this at the game. And again, uh, Roberto and I, we do the commentary. Roberto in Spanish, myself in English, we're part of the commentary teams on the radio side for New York City FC. We're at every game. So we were at Red Bull Arena last night for this one. And at halftime, it's 3-0. And I, 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 the, the reaction of the reserves who are on the bench to get up, congratulate, high fives, a few hugs. I mean, it was really a, a, a close-knit feel, which considering this run without many wins, if any, in, in certain uh, circumstances, uh, I, I thought that was a, a testament to how the team has managed to stay together and almost galvanized during this period of time. They really felt it was coming. Now, there's more to go, but let's see what happens. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's very important to understand. And I know that, I mean, we look at social media and we see the trends and we see the Cushing out and the Lee out and everybody involved in New York City out. You know, the, the impatience that the fans have. They don't get to see the every day uh, of the team. Now, we don't get to see every day either, but we get to see them quite often because we're at every single practice. We travel with the team. We spend time with them in the hotel on the plane um so we we get to see this and it's important i think for for context that this team has really been together they've absorbed these losses and they've absorbed this unusual amount of ties i'm <coughs> sorry some of them that should have been victories 
and they they've been able to go with it they've been able to you know there isn't there isn't a lot of infighting or at least it doesn't seem that way the 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 team mentally seems to be very very strong we get to speak to a lot of the players sometimes on the plane sometimes in the hotels you know sometimes officially you know when we do interviews with them and on and off the record you know we always get the sense that the team is really handling this as best as they can that they know that they've got the potential to win that there was a missing piece and that it was going to come and everybody seemed to be confident that it was going to come and all of a sudden now i didn't i didn't get a chance to ask nick cushing a question last night but i mean my first question to be to to nick cushing last night had i been at the press conference would have been so does a real number nine actually make that much of a difference? Well, and that, considering that you're the coach on this show, Glenn, yes. does a real number nine really make that much of a difference? Absolutely. My broadcast partner, Matty Lawrence, and I, we, we reviewed that at one point, and I put the question to him. But the way New York City wants to play, to have a guy to play through, to have a guy that will stay between uh, the, uh, the the 44-yard width of the uh, of the 18-yard box, but throughout the pitch and not drift out wide and make those hard runs to the front post, uh, the uh, – the level of comfort in watching that game, again, against a, a pitiful Toronto FC, and I, that's an understatement for what we yeah. watched last night. But, uh, but Monsef Bakrar, that's who we're talking about. This is just his second game. He uh, came in in the 81st minute in the match against Atlas and had a great opportunity that was saved. And look, New York City has already uh, <laughs> awarded him with a uh, some nice uh, – uh, a, a digital artistic rendering. By the way, that says Bachman at the bottom of it. So they're, you know, they're already uh, they're already on it. And as he uh, opened his account, as some people will say, I, I never said that on the broadcast. By the way, I don't know why that came Thankfully. out of my mouth. I hate that hackneyed phrase. So don't say it, Roberto. Don't ever say it. Even though it I just it, 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 uh, I don't do, do we say something like that in Spanish? Abrió su cuenta. It could be, but I've never used it. Oh, I hear. I, I it, it really. Uh, <laughs> but the so listen so uh Bakrar, so his first shot for new york city fc against atlas saved his second shot sean johnson saved last night in the um that goal uh, that shot came in the second half excuse me first half Not and the then first half. and then the next shot on frame by Bakrar was in the back of the net his first three shots for new york city all on goal Two of them four saves, both of them pretty good saves, and then he scored on the third attempt. That is uh, that is also what a striker does. Exactly. What does that remind? Who does that remind you of? By the way, who made a debut like that? Ever. Ismael Tajiri Shradi. No, Ismael oh. Tajiri Shradi. Oh, Tajiri. He put everything yeah, on frame, and I think it's like his first dozen shots. I, if, if they weren't all on frame, at least 10 of them were. I mean, it was extraordinary. Um, he's in the I, right on, place at I the right time. I wanted to um, – uh, I had some communication with Eber, and I know you stay in touch with him too. But yes, I, uh, I, I had heard uh, in an interview done by the club with Bakrar, he mentioned Eber as far as someone he communicated with uh, before he made his decision to come to New York City. The only real connection they have is they both played in the Croatian League not on the same team. So Eber, I, I, I sent a little clip to Eber because we mentioned it during the broadcast, and he wrote back and said, 
it's true. I sent some messages to him to explain everything about the club and players. And then this is the best part. I just said to him, close your eyes and sign. You'll be happy at NYCFC. Awesome. That's from Ever. Awesome. Isn't that nice? How nice how, is that? How about that? That's you know? fantastic. And he, it's he a- reached out to him without any urging. or He did all that on his own, which also you, you, I think Ever misses New York City. I'm sure he does. Although Seattle is fantastic, it's a lovely city. They've got a great club, although they're struggling a little bit right now, yeah. uh, which is sort of weird. You don't expect Seattle to struggle, but then again, they missed the playoffs last year too. So uh, yeah. that happens. You know, last year they were attributing it to you know the run that they had in the Champions League, which they wound up winning, and that the toll that that took on on the team, and they could just never recover from it. But this year, I don't understand what the problem is. I haven't really seen them play, so. Uh, one of these days, I'll take a deeper dive into what is happening there. So while you were speaking to Eber, uh last night as I was leaving uh, the field, when I was leaving uh, Red Bull Arena, I ran into several players uh, on the way out. And I spoke to one of them, and I'm not going to say who it was, but he's one of the starters. And um, we, we got into chatting about the game and the difference that Bakrar makes. And he said that the amount that Bakrar... When he's on when he's on the field and the way that he was playing last night, he was entertaining two central defenders in so much of the game that it gave them so much more liberty to play behind and to be able to find a lot more spaces. So these are the things that you may not notice during a game, right, on the effectiveness of a player and what he brings to the rest of the team, but that made New York City just so, so much better, okay? Also, and changing gears here a little bit, New York City was really, really lucky in a, in a, in a couple of spots because early on, who was it? Uh, the, the forward seventy-seven. Not is it Petruza? Petruza. Yeah. He yeah. he had a wide open Free header. header. You know how we described uh, it. You remember I mean, the goal? Like, uh, you remember the goal given up against Atlas? So everybody remembers yeah. that. It was just a, it was a calamity uh, on that corner. Uh, another set piece conceded. But this was a run of play, but it was really similar because it was one of those, you know, as a defend, anytime you're defending in the area, you're you're always taught don't just ball watch. You have to open up your body and be able to see what's to your left, see what's in front of you, and then see the cross coming in. And, and I, I think, we, again, you see New York City players getting stuck on the ball, and that's what – and then these – these players get free on the backside. That was a free header. New York City very fortunate not to go down 1-0 in that. Exactly. And that might have that might have changed the whole game because then Toronto probably could have sat back like Atlas did and New York City doesn't have all the space that they have to be able to create because uh, Toronto still I had think, to have I think, at least I, some chance of attacking. So I think they had to do York, that. I think New York City would be able to come up with something to break down uh, Toronto FC. That Atlas uh, isn't that fabulous, okay? But they sat back really, really well once they got their early goal. I mean, it was hard to bl- to break a block of four and five in front. I mean, there were nine guys behind the ball at all times. So it was very, very hard. They had a couple of chances here and there. And nothing to say that Toronto wouldn't have done the exact same thing. And then all of a sudden, all that space that Bakwar was able to create because of the fact that the game was tied and because Toronto had to have two guys on him, maybe doesn't happen. And then maybe the mentality changes. New York starts forcing stuff. I mean, all these different things, the nuances of the game just changed totally on something like that. And so... Matt Freeze was in the right place. He was also very lucky that the ball was hit right at his chest. 
and um, and that, that it was turned out just to be a good that opportunity was that wasn't put away. Loan save of the game. All right, so uh, look, we're going to go over the uh, Atlas plays Toronto next up at BMO on Sunday. So that's a game that will uh, – I'm going to get into the scenarios, or we will get into the uh, scenarios for New mm-hmm. York City in a moment. But let's uh, let's get back to the, the Toronto game. And, the, and Maxime Cheneau opens the scoring, so he gets credit for the game-winning goal. A, a good header, a free header, which, you know, the, the amount of uh, uncontested headers – in the last couple of games we've seen, or uncontested volleys is uh, rather uh, startling. But Chanoa, uh, good finish past Sean Johnson, and we should, we you know you have to feel sorry for the former New York City uh, oh, goalkeeper Sean yes. Johnson. Then it was um, then Bakrar made it two nil, and that Chanoa was at the half hour mark. Bakrar at the forty five minute mark, and Santi Rodriguez second minute of stoppage time uh, makes it three nil. So New York City leaves the field. Uh, up 3-0. Then uh, Andres Jason gets his second in three games. And uh, then Rodriguez uh, finishes out the scoring. The Sean Johnson thing. What was – why were the supporters I, – I was bothered by this. I wonder how you feel. Why were they booing Sean Johnson? That's that's terrible. What that guy did for you, you know, as a New York City supporter, shame on anyone that booed Sean Johnson. I don't care if he's on the uh, on the opposite side. Boo somebody else, but don't boo Sean Johnson. You know, here's the thing. Uh, I love the New York City supporters. I wind up spending time with them uh, every time before a game. I see them. I go say well, hello. Hey, well, make sure. Uh, before... Well, make sure they subscribe to this, okay? It's oh, you know well, we'll, so well. we'll do. We'll abso- right. Absolutely, they're, they're, right. they're going to hear about what I'm about to say, and they're going to subscribe. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm really disappointed in the fans right now, and it's not all of them, but there's a subsection of the fan base that really has to get their act together. I mean, first of all. The, the chant, you know, the, the anti-gay chant, that somehow appeared against, in, in the Atlas game. And I know f- fans are frustrated because the team is losing and they're going through this horrible streak and all that. But to come up with that is absolutely disgusting because the New York City fan base, right, and the supporters especially, are very, very pro-equal rights in everything that they do. Okay, you know, it's a lot to be proud of there. And so when you come up with with a chant that starts with a P in Spanish and you're saying that, what what are you thinking? Why are you doing this? This is wait, you, wait, wait, can I hold on? Can you I interrupt can't you? do this. I need to interrupt yes. you because I was not aware of this. And you have confirmation that that's the New York City supporters that were part of well, this. It came from it seemed to come from that area. And I. Well, I actually okay. went on the group and I asked if it was from there. I haven't really seen that they've answered it, but I haven't gotten an alert if there's an answer or not. I hope that, you know, that there is and that they say, no, that wasn't us. It was somebody else. I hope so. But it seemed to come from that area. I'm not confirming that it was, but it came from a lot of fans uh, that were there. And there weren't that many Atlas fans, okay? And so um, if it was them, then I apologize, okay? But then last night, all right, if then last night, you know, how, again, I'm 100% with you. How do you boo Sean Johnson? I this mean, guy, he's the, one of the, the, the dumb club, men responsible for the... What's it, that? He's a club legend. They should yes. be hiring an architect. The supporters should hire an architect or a, a sculptor to, to make a sculpture of Sean Johnson and see if the club will allow it to be put in front of Yankee Stadium, you know, next to Bay Ruth. I mean, my goodness, what... what the guy, the guy helped win you a, your MLS Cup. He was the MVP. He saved two penalties in the shootout against Portland. That doesn't happen. Yeah, 
No, no, it was anyway. terrible. It was yeah, absolutely I... terrible. It, it, it was embarrassing. It was absolutely it embarrassing. Was. And then there were other chants that were coming. Even my son heard it over TV. Uh, and I didn't hear it on, on our broadcast because we're probably talking all the time. And so I couldn't hear it. But my son was watching the game at home. And he said that there was this other chant that, that, that came over. And I was like, come on. Can we have some modicum of class? Just some? Why do we have to go down to that? Why does the common denominator have to be, let's see how vulgar we can get to see how cool we are. And let's see if it comes over TV. I mean, come on. Have right. some modicum of class. Right. Please. Well, I agree with you. We love I you guys. You. We want you to be better. We really want you to be better. And if you're getting mad at me for, for me for saying this, fine. I don't care. I really don't care. I'm not changing my position on this. Have some class. Don't boo Sean Johnson. Do not boo No. Sean Would they no. boo Eber? Would they boo Eber if he was uh, on Toronto uh, you know, trying to score goals? Not a chance. Probably, at, at this point, they probably would. I mean, at this point, um, I don't know. After what they did, if you can boo Sean Johnson after everything I, he did for this club, you I can agree. probably boo anybody. I mean, the now only, we're going to go to a Santa Claus comes by. They're going to boo him. And they're going to lower themselves to Philadelphia. Well, the only, the only thing you could say is that he was a free agent and it was his decision to leave, although we don't know what was going on in negotiations. So that, you know... I'm not forgiving the booing. I'm just saying they might just be angry with him. And but they, they can be angry. It's a business. This is all a business. And just as easily really? as New York City could have said, well, we don't want you here anymore because you're getting old and you're expensive and I want to give Barraza a chance because it lowers our expense, right? Then that's a business decision. So if New York City had made it, then, you know, everybody would be fine. Right, but it's a business both ways. Players have the same right as ownership and as teams to be able to select where they want to play in their future and how much money they want to be able to make. And if they can make much more money someplace else and be happy, so be it. Loyalty when is a two-way street, okay? And Jerry Seinfeld said it best: at this point, you root for uniforms, and that's really what it is. All right, thank you. Thank you, Roberto. No, that, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Uh, just one other League's Cup note. Um, well, first of all, the scenarios. So this mm-hmm. is the best part. Oh, this you got this already, right? So if Toronto upsets Atlas on Sunday, <laughs> which, by the way, by the, excuse me, an immediate investigation on match fixing should take place. <laughs> but if Toronto does upset Atlas, New York City would win this three-team division, whatever group. I don't even know what group New York City. There's so many groups. But anyway, uh, and that game would be played at Red Bull Arena as a New York City home game uh, on Thursday, August the 3rd. Uh, If Red Bull New York beats uh, Atletico San Luis on Sunday in regulation or shootout, then New York City would play on Wednesday, August 2nd, and the opponent would be New England. I'm assuming that would be at New England. Uh... I, I'm not sure if we could host New England, uh, we being New York City. If San no, Luis, the New England finished a higher in the standings okay. than right. New York City last year. If San Luis oh, no. beats right, uh, Red Bull New York in a shootout, we, uh, New York City would be the home team against Red Bull New York at Red Bull Arena next Thursday. <laughs> and if um, San Luis beats oh my God. Red Bull New York in regulation, this is inter- Red Bull is out. This is probably not going to happen. And, and uh, New York City would be the home team against San Luis – 
at Red Bull Arena on Thursday. And then the, more, the most likely scenario is Atlas beats Toronto. Boom. That's probably going to happen. And then New York City finishes second and the away team against New England or Red Bull New York. So, the, you know, that's, that's probably what's going to happen. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, so Red Bull beat New England in penalty kicks. New England slaughtered Atletico San Luis 5-1. And, uh, by the way, two, two Mexican teams got destroyed with five goals last night. Querétaro by Philadelphia and Atletico San Luis by New England. And yeah, then, but the heavy uh, hitting, the heavy hitting Mexican teams—they they, they uh, beat the West Coast. Uh, nah, they're, they're both pretty much bottom feeders. I think. So, I think. No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. Monterrey, Club Leon, oh. Tigres. I said the 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 heavy hitters in Mexico—they all beat the West Coast teams in MLS. Yes, they did. In America and Guadalajara, haven't started yet. And Pachuca, well, Pachuca isn't that good anymore. They they, they won. They they won like a year and a half ago, and now they're not. Not as good, anywhere near as good. Chivas is very good, by the way. Chivas might be the best team in Mexico right now. Velko Panovic is doing an amazing, amazing job with Chivas. It's great to see. And America is very good. And I don't know if Sendejas is back, if he's ready yet, because he got injured with the U.S. national team. But uh, they've got a great team. They got Quinones from Atlas. He already scored a goal for them uh, in his uh, in his first game or his second game. I think it was his first. And uh, so America is loaded for bear. They, they've spent the most amount of money this year uh, reinforcing their team. Yeah, he, he Monterey scored. is also very, very good. Canino scored in his first game. Played one game, one goal, which is uh, that's a pretty good average. If he yeah. Can keep that up. And, and, of course, Atlas. <laughs> can. Anyway, Mon- Monterey blew out Real Salt Lake, who had been playing really, really know, well. They beat three zip yesterday. That kind of – and this is where you go back and say – you know, which league still has the better of it? And there's, oh. it's, it's still not even close. It's Liga MX. And I it wouldn't has say to be- it's not even close. I, I won't say that. I, I won't say it's not even close. I'd say it's closer than it was, but the top yeah, teams than in Mexico, and you can go, you can go four, if you can go four or five top teams in Mexico are better than anything that we have in MLS. Not that MLS can't beat one of those teams on a one-off, but if, uh, if it was a seven-game series... They're winning it pretty much every time. And the league budget rules have been discussed recently because of Messi arrive, his arrival and the, and the absolute, you know, <laughs> pandemonium surrounding uh, Lionel Messi. And, you know, the one day I, I, I was talking to somebody recently and, and to simplify things for the sporting directors for all the clubs. And what they're really looking for is not necessarily a, a, a higher budget you know, there's there's always going to be a cap, I think, in MLS, no matter what. But just let us spend the money the way we want to. And then yeah. you can compete better with uh, Liga MX because you're 15th and you can sp- spread the money around in a way where your reserves are making a good living and they can come in and, and have an impact on the game. So I hope it goes in that direction, you know. But it, it has to. You, you're going you're to have to. You're going to have to change everything, especially the way Miami wants to spend money now, right? And they always have, and they found a way. I don't know how, but they have found a way to be able to bring in Messi, Busquets, Alba. Uh, they're looking at a whole bunch of kids in Argentina. And then uh, there's still talk that uh, Luis Suarez has told Gremio that he'll buy out his own contract. He'll pay them back <laughs> so he can go join uh, Messi in Miami. I mean, th- th- that is, you know, and how they're fitting this all under the cap. 
I, I have no idea. They've already been caught once. Uh, maybe fudging numbers. Jordi Alba. Uh, Jordi Alba. That's where they've, there's got to be a really close inspection to the addition of Jordi Alba. I, I, eventually there will be. God knows when. Or they're going to loosen up the rules. Here's something that I think they should do. I mean, I've always said that they've got, if they want to compete with Mexico, and really on an even basis, they've got to elevate the cap. And they must elevate the cap. Not only must they elevate the cap, they got to force, for the betterment of the league, teams that are cheap to spend money. Okay? And how you do that? Well, you elevate the floor. And maybe you leave out homegrowns and certain players that don't fit in under the budget or anything. You have, an, you have a special category. But for everybody else, you've got to be somewhere like the NBA does. The NBA has it at 85% of the top. You've got to be able to spend... Or if it's not going to be that, maybe it's a lesser number, but it's got to be somewhere up from where it is. And then the most important thing, if you really want to bring in quality into this league, then you've got to take transfer fees out of the salary cap. Okay, so if you want to bring in somebody who's a $10 million player and you've got to pay $10 million for somebody, you know, who may be young and then eventually you're going to be able to sell for 20, let's say a Tati Castellanos who didn't cost anywhere near that much, but let's use that as an example, okay? You've got to take that $10 million that you've spent to buy that player, and that fits under the salary cap, which is terrible. And so it's stopping the league from bringing higher quality players, maybe players that are well known, and that is going to increase the level of the team, is going to increase the, the level of play, it's going to increase the attractiveness of the league. And uh, I think it just hurts you. And I think that one of the easy fixes you can make is take that part and take it out immediately. And then you can discuss how much you want to be able to raise the cap, if you want to raise the floor, and if you want to be able to liberate some of these rules so we don't have to go through designated players, GAM, TAM, and God knows what else is there, right? I mean, I knew that they, I, we know that they brought in you know, Gam and Tam to be able to spend more money, to be able to fill in the roster at the bottom and bring in higher quality players. Sure, have somebody who can come off the bench and change, you know, and change things, which League MX teams do all the time. And it's very few MLS teams that can bring somebody in off the bench that is really going to be able to change yeah. a game, right? Yeah. And so that's one of the huge differences. 11 versus 11, it can be pretty even. Once you start going onto your bench, that's what League MX teams can really outshine MLS teams. Well, and so if they keep on kidding themselves, okay, at the higher levels of this league, that they really can compete evenly with Liga MX team. And uh, they fell in love with what happened with LAFC that almost beat Tigres. And then you saw Seattle beat a really bad Pumas team that somehow was able to to get through their bracket to get to the finals. And, um, you know, Pumas that year qualified to the playoffs in 12th place out of 18 teams in Mexico. Yeah. But somehow they managed to get results to be able to get themselves into the, into the right, Champions uh... League finals. Let's see, you, you mentioned Tati Castellanos, who uh, uh, for New York City, um, great business transaction as uh, they eventually, uh, the, the risk to loan him to Girona. And you have to say that was a risk because you weren't mm -hmm. quite sure. But uh, putting up a four spot on Real Madrid increased his wealth. And he's, he's uh, at Lazio now in Serie A. And uh, so good budget move for New York City there. And then Gabby Panetta, he transfers and probably uh, he was making $650,000. He's now playing in Qatar, where he's probably going to earn around five or, or six million U.S. dollars. So the need to 
replace a guy like Pereira, it seems to have been fulfilled. And Sammy, I don't know if you have that ready. If you could put up that the tweet that was put out by NYCFC source. And uh, there's no confirmation from the club on this. But Julian Fernandez from Vélez Sarfield in uh, Argentina is a 19-year-old winger. And he's going to be uh, transferring, apparently, to New York City FC. Uh, according to the tweet, uh, he is on his way for his medical uh, with the city football group. And uh, looks like he'll be the third addition. You had Munsef Bakrar, the striker who scored his first New York City goal uh, against Toronto FC in the League's Cup. Yeah, Burke Risa, the left central defender who has yet to arrive as far as we know because of paperwork. And now maybe uh, Fernandez. What do you know about Fernandez, Roberto? Well, he's uh, 19 years old so far this season. Um, he's played 20 games. He's had three goals. He was starting for Vélez, who are fighting to stay out of a uh, relegation right now. They're, you know, they haven't. Uh, he hasn't. What do you call it? the team? Has not played very, very well. And then, but in the last one, two, three, four, uh, five games. Uh, he hasn't really played much, and when I say played much, I'm talking about a total of, I'm looking at this, that's 33, 34, 35 minutes against Union on July 24th, which was three days ago. He didn't play, so I, I think that the rumors of him coming here are more than rumors. I think it has a, a lot of validity. He's played 65 games in total for Vélez. He scored seven goals. He represented Argentina's U-20 team in four occasions from uh, January 2023 to May to 2023. So uh, he's an up-and-coming uh, right wing. He could slot right into where, you know, uh, Gabi Pereira played. And uh, But, you know, there's going to be How competition long, yeah. for minutes. How long the There's going to be competition. You know, what's the adjustment period? There's going to be competition. Yeah. Pellegrini. Pellegrini wants that spot. He he wants it to be his own, but he's got to start scoring goals. If he doesn't start scoring goals, he can't claim a job as a winger. I'm sorry. You just you can't be a winger if you're not scoring goals or setting up people for goals. But let's see. Maybe right, which he has, he's done a little bit, but not nowhere well, near where, where he should as far as what we, we think, right? Uh, but then again, sometimes you can put in great balls and then there's nobody to finish. And that's true. again, no, that's it helps true. to have a good number nine now. But then yeah, again, by the way, Andres Jason really stepped up last night. And Andres Jason's been stepping it up. The homegrowns have been stepping it up. They've got three goals in the last three games. After yeah. not scoring a goal through the entire life of New York City FC. Okay, well, Justin they, Hack no, had the first Justin one and Hack, Jason's got the last two. Roberto, Justin Hack's goal was disallowed. I, I know you're you're excited about that, but it's not three but, homegrown goals in, two, in three Oh, games. yes, it is. Oh, wait, okay, three and four then? Hack and then Jason's got two. Right, Jason but, scored against Philadelphia. You were, I thought you were including Hack's disallowed. No, goal I'm not. One. No, I'm not. I'm the well, one who said, told you it you was said a three legitimately home grown goals in three games. And that, and that okay, was so two. it's four then. Fine. Yeah. So it's uh, Jason against Philadelphia. Prior to that, it was Hack against Columbus. Then the Atlas game was a clean sheet for Atlas, so nobody scored in that game. Uh, hack scored and of course everybody on the new york city side and i think with good reason uh now that we've seen everything have you seen the have you seen that james head uh, james sands it hit his head along with the defender's head i i think it, abominable call abominable overrule i i don't think you agree with okay, me. okay there, there's a different thing between rule and call because the call is correct and we've no, seen not. this no, it is not. correct we talked about this 
I know the we did, but you says that it's no, correct. No, no, no. No, no, no. You didn't. You didn't ever include Sands having it hit his head in the equation. It didn't hit his head. It hit his head. It, no, it didn't. He, it no, did it not did. hit his head. It did. It, it hit did not. both heads. It hit both. It did not. Heads. I disagree. I well, disagree. You can disagree all you want. That's what the conclusion of this was. No, it wasn't. It was yes, not it the was. conclusion. The conclusion what, what is, was that you, it came off that the ball deflected off Nervo. No, it was not. Santi Rodriguez heads the ball. Listen, stop one second. Santi Rodriguez heads the ball from outside the box. You're not. What part of listen do you not understand? Let me go through this. Let me explain it. And then you can go and chime in. Okay, please. Let me finish. When Santi Rodriguez heads the ball, Justin Hack is in a clear offside position. Okay. Then the ball goes to where, where Nervo and Sands jump for the ball. From the back of the of the goal, from Luis Barraza's position, from the camera from that angle, you see both of them jump for the ball. But what you clearly see there, and I don't understand what took VAR so long in deciding this, 5 minutes 32 seconds according to Nick Cushing, okay? Uh, because I guess they had a timer on it at some point. Yeah. But it clearly shows that the ball deflects off Nervo. It does not touch Sands. If it touches Sands, then he's onside. But because it does not touch Sands, he, the, the ball, it's a deflection. It's its a, not a, re, a purposeful redirection. And again, that's key in how this is called. And so because it's a deflection and it just bounces off him as opposed to him directing it someplace. And then when Hack touches the ball again, He's offside because the last legitimate time that New York City touched the ball was when Santi Rodriguez headed it. Right. That's why it's called, offside. No, you've just called Nick Cushing a liar. He said it. No, I'm not called him a liar. Friend. I am disagreeing with him based on what they we saw. And that's not lying. Like it's other- disagreeing. And then one. Two, I also consulted with a pro referee who I showed the tape to, and he came back and gave me the exact same explanation. So, sorry, I disagree. That's not calling somebody a liar if you're disagreeing with them. I don't think the ball touches sand. I don't think anybody, if he says it does, well, fine. But I don't think it touches sands at all. And And when we were broadcasting, I didn't see the, the, what do you call it, the, the camera angle from behind the goal at the game. I did not see that. I saw that the next day. And once I saw that, I understood why the goal was disallowed. Okay, should have been a goal, 100%. That's my opinion, okay? okay That's my fine. opinion. And beyond all that, IFAB and the referee, the associate, whoever makes these offside rules, here's the thing, and I've said this to you before, this doesn't mean it's, it, it, it makes it uh, legal. I'm just saying. The defender goes up and challenges on the air ball. The fact that he can't clear the ball with his head because he's challenged by another player and it ricochets to the feet of Justin Hack, who puts it home, that's not a deflection. That's a poor clearance. It is not a deflection. A deflection is where a defender reaches out as far as he can with his foot maybe and it goes off of his toe and deflects to Justin Hack and he puts it in. That's not a goal. This was a goal. And you can disagree with the rule screwed. all you want. New York you, City but it is the rule. You can disagree that. with it. Right. You can disagree with it all you want, but I mean, it is what it is. And you can disagree with the rule, and I can disagree with the rule, but based on the rules, that's not a goal. Well, as much have, as it hurts, it's not a goal. 
Common sense. By the way, you know, this is supposed to be 30 minutes. We're at 40 now. I just All want right. you to know that. All right, let's move on. So we got we got Fernandez <laughs> as a possibility here. And um, and we talked about uh, League's Cup. And good, good. Last thing, kicking it around. So, Roberto, in our NYCFC views, we're not only going to talk about New York City. See, we still love each other. It doesn't matter. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, New York City, every one of these podcasts. I mean, that's the title of the show. Uh, uh, yes. It's the obligation, However, Glenn. That's why we're here. We've been given the liberty to kick it around, yes. and I give Roberto credit for the uh, for the the title of that because he's a former headline writer and he's got it all right in his head. So kicking it around. So we're going to start kicking Something it around. Made, aside from rocks, the, the women's World Cup. So the U.S. Uh, played the Netherlands, which was a rematch of the 2019 World Cup final. Roberto. So uh, it's the second game in their group. And it, this was probably the most anticipated game in the World Cup thus far. I don't, I don't think there, there's, there's any question about it. It ends in a 1-1 draw, so maybe that's what people were, were thinking about. But, man, there was a lot of discussion around the lineup, no, no substitutions other than Rose Lavelle. And um, what did you think of uh, whatever portion of the game you might have seen? All right, so basically the game was on at the same time that we were on, so uh, yes. it was hard for me to see. You had to wake up at like 4.30 in the morning to watch the whole thing because I you did. were serious this I morning. Did. So I you did. have a huge advantage on me. I saw the only highlights I was able to find was two and a half minutes, which I know. is ridiculous. I know. Uh, normally, you know, minutes. we get nine-minute highlights, you get a better idea. But basically for what I read, w w once uh, Lavelle came into the game, she changed everything. Rose Lavelle is an extraordinary player. There was a time, and not too long ago, where she was considered to be possibly the best women's player in the U.S. and maybe in the world. So that's how important she is. Um, well, I don't know. That's, that's taking it a – that's not – I don't – you know, best player in the world, no. But here, I wanted – Roberto, okay. since I have seen the game, there's a really interesting story here because the game really changed uh, when Lindsay Horan and uh, – she's the captain of the U.S. side – and Danielle Vandedunk, who is on the Dutch side, those two are teammates at Lyon and buddies. Yes. They're, like, they're like buddies. And Van Donk came in and hit a nasty, just a terribly harsh foul, which wasn't called a foul, no card. It should have been a foul and a card. And Haran got pissed. And they, yeah. they, they kind of <laughs> went chest to chest. And she shoved her and the whole thing. And then uh, Allie Wagner, I give her credit, the, uh, who did the commentary uh, on Fox, she said, well, the best way Lindsay Haran could – can make a statement here and get back at Van Donk is to score a goal. And boom, Lavelle corner kick, near post run, and Horan, no one was getting to that ball other than Lindsay Horan. She tied it up at one. And from that point on, it, it seemed like the U.S. woke up and, and Rose Lavelle made a difference. Little question about it, and she gets the assist on the goal, obviously. But that was like a spark. And, you know, so they needed a little confrontation, I think, to get them going. Well, that, I mean, I saw the goal. I, they didn't show in the uh, in those highlights. They, they didn't show the confrontation, but I did read about it. And I was like, wow, you know, two teammates, both wearing number 10, by the way, in this game, um, go, going at it that way. And, yes, that's the best way to, to, to get revenge. They say that revenge is a dish best served cold. Uh, that was a cold, hard header that she put in there. It's great service. I love the way that she runs from the back post to the front post. And the power that she gets on the ball on that header was extraordinary. And funny thing was is that the, the highlights that I watched, I, I first saw it in Spanish with Andres Cantor, and he's a great, uh, great, 
great commentary all throughout and great passion. Now, then I got the world feed, you know, looking for better highlights because it was just so short. Turns out it was basically the same thing. And uh, the guy on the world on the world feed on uh, Rude's goal called it a screamer. And I was like, well, that didn't exactly scream a hell of a lot. And then I saw Haran's goal and I go, wow, that had a hell of a lot more power than Rude's goal. And uh, but the U.S., now, here's where I have problems with the U.S., and I've had it in a while, okay? And this is why they're not clear favorites to repeat. For all the scoring power that they have, okay, and they're able to create, they really miss a lot. There's so many opportunities that they have that just seem to go wide or seem to go high or seem to get blocked, and they don't seem to get through on frame. And if the U.S. somehow... I don't know if you say fix this, but if they don't get this together, they don't get their act together on this, they're going to wind up getting eliminated early because of games like this, because they should have won yesterday. They dominated the second half for everything that I've read. They dominated the second half in such a fashion, right, and that they should have gotten a second goal and maybe even a third goal. But if they're not going to be killers in the box... They're not going to repeat because somewhere along the line, yeah. they're going to dominate a game. They're going to allow a bad goal because that happens as well because a goal that they allowed was bad. They were scrambling. They weren't in position. They left somebody on top of the box who was open for, it seemed like, an eternity and Root scored the goal because nobody picked her up. They're going to lose a game like that. And it's going to be heartbreaking for the U.S. because they do have superior talent. And they just have to start finding ways of putting these shots on goal and putting them at the back of the net. All right, one other result I wanted to uh, just talk about briefly. Uh, Nigeria upset Australia 3-2. to two. It's on Australian soil. Uh, Nigeria, it, the, their federation is an absolute nightmare. Uh, Randy Waldron, the coach, is someone I coached against in the Big East when he was at Notre Dame and I was at Rutgers. Hasn't been paid in 18 months. Uh, the oh, players uh, are not going to get the the bonuses they were promised because FIFA is coming through with some cash. Uh, it's a nightmare. There's a lot of stories, including the assistant coach that Randy wants there can't be there because he refused to take a backup goalkeeper that they told him he had to take because he had never seen her play. So he said, all right, you don't have to bring her, but you can't bring your assistant. This is what he's dealing with. So wonderful to see that uh, Randy in uh, Nigeria – uh, get this huge win against Australia after tying Canada. So they're in really a, a, a good position. And uh, Roberto, just one one final thing. I, I you know, we, we are not spending a lot of time. I have one on more this. thing for you, but okay, I got one more thing for you too. Go ahead. Well, Tottenham, uh, the owner Joe Lewis, the insider training uh, accusation, which he's denied trading, not training, trading. I said trading. No, you said training. <laughs> I did not say training. But it doesn't matter. All right. We'll go to the videotape. <laughs> he has a yacht that's 321 feet long, which is 107 yards long. And I thought that's the length of, of the soccer field at Yankee Stadium. No, it's and not. It's 110. Stop it. It's a little under that. I've stepped it off. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and the other thing that I learned, you know, it's like it's like um, – what was that show? Lifestyle of the rich and, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Not he, us. He owns, you know that charging bull that they put on Wall Street overnight? You know, so somebody did the sculpture. And then in yeah. the overnight hours, they put it down on Wall Street. 
He has the original charging bull. He's also got original Picassos worth up to a billion dollars. Anyway, 86 years old, and his attorney's basically saying, God, guy's 86. Let him alone. But Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what do you have? A lifetime of crime wrap. and stuff. All right, so the stuff that I have is the head-to-head between Liga MX and MLS. Okay, so far, 14 games have been played. MLS has won six. Liga MX has won five. There have been uh, three ties so far. All of them have been 2-2. How about that? So MLS has won two shootouts. Liga MX has won one shootout. There have been 50 goals scored. MLS has 30. Liga MX has 20. And the average goals per game is a very healthy, healthy 3.6 per game. Let, let me ask you, is that, is, are you calculating the fact that there are more MLS teams playing than there are Liga MX teams? When you go 30 goals to 20, well, of course... Hey, it's gonna... just raw statistics. So, yes, I, I guess right. that, uh, yeah, so that, that well, would that, have uh, to on be our next show, on our It's next not head-to-head, yes. On our next show, I want you to have that calculated in a little bit uh, more accurate fashion. Oh, God, right. well, okay, I have to ask Ernesto Roa, who does those calculations <laughs> for and, and sends them to me all the time to do that. I'll, I'll sure, I'll give him an assignment from you that you're not going to pay him for. Thank you, Glenn. Well, that's it for the kicking around, <laughs> uh, kicking it around segment of our, our show. NYCFC Views, that's it, our inaugural program here on a sick podcast uh is is ending roberto wonderful to uh, see you and chat with you again and argue with you that that'll be the case it's always a pleasure i know it's always a pleasure it comes from a place of love it does for roberto abramowitz i'm glenn crook sammy hit the clue hit the end whatever you got to do and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time Follow the Sick Podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.